ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and those who don't identify as either. You are listening to Ratchet and Respectable with Demetria L. Lucas. You heard that sniff, right? Y'all, I'm not sick sick, but I'm sick. I have a cold. I know people don't get colds anymore. It's either like COVID or nothing. I did go get tested. I'm hosting this big event tomorrow in LA and I've invited all of my friends and I was like, oh my God, I'm not trying to like, you know, red wedding everybody, invite all these people to my fancy function and, you know, infect them and they die. Although, you know, everybody's got to be vaccinated to come in. I know I'm being a little dramatic right now, but I went and got tested because I was like, oh my God, I have COVID. And then also the testing facility is right across the street from my house. They know me by now. Like you again, they always real nice about it, but I know that's what they be thinking. But no, I do not have COVID, thankfully. Um, I will not kill all of my friends and family tomorrow. And I don't really have any symptoms other than like my nose feels weird. Like I've been drinking my Theraflu and getting my rest. Um, as soon as I felt like a little something coming on, I started taking meds so it didn't like progress. So I feel like okay-ish, but I've just been like really lethargic like these last couple of days. It's 4.30 on Tuesday. And like, I'm just really getting out of the bed. Like I got up late this morning. I didn't get up until like 1030 and I'm usually up by like 630. And then I was back in the bed by like 11 ish. And I've been there ever since just trying to like, you know, rest and drink liquids and ginger beer counts like the same way like ginger ale does, right? Like the ginger is the important part. It doesn't really matter how the ginger is infused, does it? Let's, let's hope that works out for me. I've also been drinking lots of water and I had this like weird, I haven't had orange juice in like forever in a day. And for some reason, when I was in New York last week, I ordered orange juice as breakfast and like literally I hadn't had orange juice in like maybe two years, but I ordered orange juice for some weird reason at breakfast. And then when I went grocery shopping, when I got back, I got orange juice and it's just been sitting in there. And now, you know, not feeling well, orange juice, the vitamin C, I guess that's what I'm craving. I don't know, but pray for me. Cause I got to do this event tomorrow and there's going to be pictures and like, I don't want to look like shit. I've gotten past the, you know, I'm killing everybody part. So now I can focus on like petty shit. Like I want to look good in the pictures. Let's hope my makeup artist can, you know, pull another miracle out of himself and bring me together for tomorrow. It's so weird. Like yesterday morning, I felt perfectly fine. I felt so perfectly fine. I went and got a new gym membership. There's this really sexy gym that opened up down the street for me. It's like the idea that the gym is a club. It's John Reed Fitness in downtown LA. Like I knew a couple people that went there and their pictures were cute. And I was like, where are you working out? So I looked it up and then I was like, oh, it's right around the corner from my house. I just did like the virtual tour of it online and was like, oh my God, it's so beautiful. And then yesterday morning when I was done running my errands, I just swung by to take like an in-person tour. And it's actually even cuter in person that it looks like online. And I'm focused on like the aesthetics of it because like it's a gym. It has like all the run of the mill stuff and it's huge, tons and tons and tons of space. Um, But it looks like essentially like if my house was a gym, it's like a gigantic warehouse slash loft. And I was walking through the gym, like looking at all like the aesthetics, which, you know, again, like I keep gushing about. And I was like, yo, I think I might be like some sort of like black hipster cliche. Because, like, there's, like, certain decor I have on my walls, like, stuff I picked up in my travels. And I'm walking through this gym, and I was like, yo, like, 
<laughs> a lot of the a lot of the um the design aesthetics that I have in my house, there was versions of them at this gym, and I was like, yo, I just I'm I'm like a black hipster. I don't know how I feel about that. I like to think that I'm very unique and that I have like a very individual aesthetic. And then like walking through this place, I was like, no, I'm I'm an interior design cliche. Now I want to like redecorate my whole apartment. I guess it gives me something to do because I have so much free time. <laughs> Speaking of apartments, I was actually looking at apartments in Harlem the other day. I don't know what I'm doing with my life. Like I, I'm 95 percent sure that I'm moving to Ghana next year. There's a question of when, but like I'm 95 percent sure that this is happening. Um, Ghana and South Africa, COVID willing, of course. But then I also do stuff like look at apartments in New York. And I'm just like, why? If I'm planning to move overseas, why am I looking at apartments in New York? Why am I thinking about bi-coastal living when I'm thinking about switching continents? I don't know what I'm doing with my life. And this drives me up a wall because I used to be one of those people that quite prided myself on being like the stable friend. Do we talk about this? How I lived in my last apartment in New York for like 15 years. Like, I loved that people would come to my house and, like, know where the glasses were and know where the silverware was and know, like, where the ketchup was. I love having a sense of stability. And I haven't had that in, like, the last, what, like, five years? And there are times when I think I should have it because I'm like, oh, my God, you're a woman of a certain age. Like, you should be stable. And then, like, I talk to my dad, who is, you know, a man who is just under twice my certain age. And he's like, stable for what? You ain't got no kids. Like, what are you being stable for? For you? I mean... You're financially stable. He's like, as long as you're financially stable, you'll be all right. Figure it out. You got options. You got money. Okay. I don't know how I feel about that. I told y'all a couple weeks ago. I was like, I don't know what I'm doing with my life. I'm just out here living. That's it. Doing the best I can. Trying not to make a mess of the whole thing. Which is proving increasingly more difficult. I don't know. My lawyer got in my ass the other day about like my book proposals. She was like, do you really want to write a book? And I was like, actually, yeah, I do. And she was like, are you sure? Because I feel like people do things that they actually, you know, want to do. Like, things you want to do, you get done, and you're not getting this done. And I was like, um, you make a valid point. You do. But I was like, I actually do want to write this book. It's just, I don't know. Sitting down and, like, writing your whole heart out and, like, telling the world about, like, all your flaws and insecurities is not really an easy thing to do. And she was like, Demetria, it's just the proposal. Like, you don't even, we're not even talking about the writing part yet. We're talking about, like, what's being proposed to be written. And I was like, yeah, but, like, if we put the proposal together and, like, this is what I'm going to do, then this is, like, you know, what you have to commit to doing. And I was like, do I really want to tell people this shit? I don't know. Do they care? I don't know. Maybe they do. Maybe they don't. I don't know. I don't know. Oh, but this event tomorrow. Did I tell you about the event? Did we talk about it? I don't think I, t- I told you there was an event. I don't know if I told you about it. I'm hosting a friends and family screening for a journal for Jordan for the studio, for Sony Studios. It's going to be really, really cute. Remember I told you I was doing this event because big budgets were back and I was like, yo, like they're, they're like asking me about like catering options and like wine options and like seating options. And I was like, they're spending more money on this event than I spent on my whole wedding. I'm not mad at it. I am kind of mad that I'm not going to be like at my hundred percent best for it. Like I'm aiming for 90. Once I get off here with y'all, I'm like going to edit this and then like get back in the bed and I will be like in bed until my makeup artist comes tomorrow. to like, you know, Fix my face. Otherwise. 
I just need to like max up somehow and hope that like, can you hear my voice? Does my voice sound? It sounded fine when I was doing like the testing, testing, but I hope I don't sound stuffy. Not one here and then not tomorrow because I have to speak at the beginning. <sighs> oh dear. I will pull it all together by then. Hopefully. What's in our list of goodness? There is good black news this week. Niece Megan, she might be cousin Megan or sister Megan to some of y'all, but Megan is 26. So for me, Megan is niece Megan. But niece Megan graduated this weekend from Texas Southern. I'm reading from today.com. They said she received, I like to say she earned, she earned her Bachelor of Science in Health Administration degrees. Congratulations to Meg the Stallion. She, um, she wrote on Instagram, I know my parents are looking down on me so proud. Thank you everyone for all the love today. She also started referring to herself on her Instagram as Meg the Graduate. You know, I saw those pictures or the video. I saw the pictures of her graduation. She looked so cute. But there was a video of her actually crossing the stage. And she looked so beautiful. She had inches. I mean, lots of inches. I don't know if inches is the proper word. Like feet. Like her hair was like down past her ass. I was like, that is a lot of someone's hair. God bless the woman who grew that. And God bless the people that attached that. They did a really good job. But I don't know. There was something about seeing her walk across the stage. And I guess that's like, you know, the ultimate moment of, you know, I have indeed graduated and my degree is paid for and I did pass all my classes. Um, you know, when you walk across the stage, that's like the moment of completion and, or fruition, however you want to describe it. But I just got like so teared up and like and more than tear. Like I actually was like, like full on crying tears of joy for her. You know, she's had so many amazing accomplishments. I mean, she's got, what, like three Grammys, a bunch of other awards, magazine covers, great sales, number one songs, all that stuff, right? But she's also had, like, a lot of hardship. You know, she's talking about, like, you know, my parents are in heaven looking down on me. Like, she's 26, and she's lost both her parents. She got shot in the foot. I guess that case is is coming up now because some of the details are starting to come out. Rolling Stone had a piece earlier today about, I guess, like somebody testified. Is it a pre-trial? Let me look this up. Bear with me, y'all. Like, I'm not sick as a dog, but I really don't feel well. I haven't really done all my research this week like I usually would have. I'm scrolling through, like, some of the things about to talk about later today. This episode is just dumb. It's just a plain dumb episode. If you're looking for any level of maturity for me, then just cut this off. I, I have none. Okay, I'm reading this on people.com. Which got the story... From Rolling Stone. I'm trying to figure out where this story is coming from. Why it's coming up now. People says new details are emerging about what happened the night Tory Lanez allegedly shot Meg Thee Stallion in the foot after a party last summer. Okay, this was during a court hearing. So an LAPD detective said that he interviewed Megan right after the incident. And he said that... Megan told him that Lanes told her, dance, bitch, before he shot her in the foot. This is the official statement. It says, Megan observed Mr. Peterson. That would be Daystar Peterson, i.e. Tory Lanes. She observed him holding a firearm, and then she observed him start to shoot. Megan immediately felt pain to her feet, observed blood, fell to the ground, and then crawled to an adjacent driveway of a residence. She described her injuries as bleeding profusely. 
The detective also said that Lanes apologized for shooting her, that he, quote, offered her money and begged her to please not say anything. It's according to what Megan told him. She said Megan also made a reference to the fact that Tory Lanes was already on probation. People also quote a reporter from the L.A. Times, and he says the next hearing is on January 13th. So this is an ongoing story. So I'm, I bring that up because it's a story that's, that's currently in the news, like literally as of today. But also because, yo, graduating college is a bitch. I know a lot of people do it. And so it's, you know, it seems very run of the mill sometimes. It's like 95% of my friends have college degrees. A bunch of them have master's degrees. And so we often just think of it as like, you know, something you do and get through. And so sometimes I think we just sort of take, maybe not take for granted is the right word, but sometimes we just don't recognize how hard it is to get a degree. It's a four-year time investment. It is not easy if you are just, if you're going to school full-time and living on campus and maybe you have a scholarship or you have parents who are helping you pay and you don't have to, you know, do a work study or hold down a job while you go to college. Like just that alone being in the ideal situation in college and and getting through and getting through and getting your degree in four or more years. The the point is that you got it done. Um, It's hard. It's really hard. And then you add in other factors like, you know, having to work because that's how you're paying for college or having to commute because you can't afford to stay on campus or taking out student loans and being, you know, stressed about, okay, I'm going to get this degree and then I'm going to owe all this money that I'm not going to be able to pay off until I'm like in my mid 40s or 50s. Even then to add on. And Meg's situation is, you know, you might say it's it's a sense of privilege because she has so much money and fame, but to stay the course, you know, even if it's an on and off, I saw somebody point out that like, you know, well, it took her seven years. I was like, it also took her a couple albums and three Grammys. Like, come on, people stay with me, stay with me here. But to just stay the course, because I think if I were in Meg the Stallion's position that, you know, the idea is that you go to college and everyone says like, yeah, it's about an education, but really it's the idea that you're investing in yourself, that you'll have better opportunities, whether that's better connections or it'll put you in a, uh, you know, a, a fina- and it'll set you up for um, better financial security, which, crapshoot. But a lot of people, and again, I said me, had I, you know, done a couple years of college and then hit a lick with a mixtape and then, you know, got a record deal and started touring and making tour money and became famous and was making good USD dollar in dinero and people were cutting the checks. I don't know that I would have gone back and, and finished my degree online or otherwise. I just, I would have been like, well, wasn't this the point, especially at 26. And I probably would have been like, you know, deuces. I'll, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll go get one when I'm 40. It's not what Oprah did. Oprah didn't have a college degree for like a really long time. Shaquille O'Neal, he didn't have a college degree for a really long time. There's certain people that, that went back to college you know, after they had achieved like a certain level of fame and they were like, well, I have, you know, some money and some downtime now, an ideal situation. And they were like, okay, well, I'll go back to college and finish it on GP. That probably would have been more like what I would have done. Megan made a promise to her mother that she would finish her, her degree. I'd like to think that I would honor, you know, a promise to my deceased mother. But again, I might end up doing something like that at 40 
not necessarily at 26. So I just say that to say that like all that she's been through, the good kind of distractions like like Grammys and, and sold out tours, that kind of stuff, but also like the bullshit. You know, she got shot in the foot, feet, and bounced back relatively quickly. You know, we saw her perform at one award show and she looked a little stiff. And then after that, she's been back to normal. She moved on to a new relationship um, with a dude who, you know, seems to be as completely enamored with her as she is with him. They look very happy and in love. I love that she walked across the stage and she got her degree. And when she got to the end, dutiful boyfriend was waiting there in the wings. He was waiting at the bottom of the steps with, you know, like a hug, a kiss and and beautiful flowers. And I was like, yes, boyfriend. Yes. Get this shit right. Yes. 60 second moment of greatness, like across the stage, get my degree, selfie with professor, go down the steps. Boyfriend is waiting with roses like it was perfect. Um, So I hope that she felt like loved and appreciated and and supported. Like, you know, by people she actually knows in real life, but also like from her internet aunties and cousins and big sisters who are also like really, really proud of her. That shit ain't easy. It definitely ain't easy when you have like, you know, a mom who passed away and, you know, global superstardom and a crazy ex who shoots you in the fucking feet. Some of these Negroes are crazy as shit. Even seeing this story online, it was a guy in... Baltimore, he went live on Facebook, I think. He told people that he had just shot his pregnant girlfriend in the head because she threatened to keep their pending child from him. And he said it felt like a movie. And then he said that he was going to kill himself because he can't go to jail and he had, he was going to kill his ex-wife as well because she had accused him of molesting their children and they've been locked in a custody battle for about 3 years and he said his ex-wife was the start of his depression so he was going to kill her too and then the video pans and a woman comes to the door She sees him standing outside, immediately starts running. The man starts chasing her. And again, this is all on camera. The man starts chasing her and says, today's the day. He did, in fact, shoot his ex-wife, killing her, and then he killed himself. So this video, the killings, obviously, thankfully, were not recorded live. After he says, today's the day, while he's chasing the um the wife the video feed goes out but that video was all over twitter when i saw it and the crazy thing about that video i mean one of the craziest was the response to it in which i saw so many men saying i feel so bad for that guy the guy the the murderer the man who confessed to shooting a pregnant woman in the head And then essentially first degree murder when he drove to his ex-wife's house and and killed her while, while, while their children, at least two, were waiting in the car. Your sympathy is with the man? And they were like, yeah, women play too much. Like they try to keep men from their children. Men just want to be fathers and they block them at every turn. And I was like, 
This man was unhinged. I understand completely being frustrated that you can't access your children. I, I completely understand the feeling of like your your whole world being hemmed up by one person and you can't make any moves without, you know, this person sabotaging everything. Like I've lived that. I get it. I get the um the fantasizing about wanting to kill somebody, take them out, bludgeon them. Totally get that. The doing of it, that's not normal. That's not normal at all. Like, I totally get men, like, you know, expressing frustration. I totally get, like, anger and sadness. But, like, you have sympathy for a man who just talked about shooting a woman, a pregnant woman at that. Shooting a pregnant woman in the head and then driving across town 30 minutes and shooting the mother of your children. And then yourself. So many men and women were like, oh, my God, that poor man. Not that poor pregnant woman. Not that poor mother. Not them poor kids. Because the pregnant woman and the mom are dead. They can't feel anything. Them kids is here. And they ain't got no parents. Because dad killed mom. And then himself. That poor man? It was, it was baffling to me that the takeaway for so many people was empathy for this man. I understood the conversations about mental health. Because I do actually think there's some sort of mental health something going on here. Like, again, the idea of like, you know, wanting to like shoot someone who's antagonizing you. Get that actually shooting them don't get that does not compute do not understand restart begin again but i was like yo like this this is a wild and wild and crazy world you gonna yell dance bitch at somebody and shoot them and shoot them in the feet like this is real life this is not a movie like that shit that happens in movies it's like mildly entertaining because it's like crazy shit people fantasize about doing and you see someone do it but you don't actually go do that shit in real life the fuck we need some happier news this is depressing me what else is on this list simone biles is athlete of the year which very very happy for her very very excited for her you know i still haven't seen that essence cover on stands in a perfect world in the world in the way that it was supposed to work The Simone Biles issue of Essence, the holiday issue, I have my big feature in there where I'm interviewing Tabitha, who we've talked about this a million times, even before it happened, because I was like really, really excited. I'm really proud of that article. It's one of the first times I've been able to write in my voice voice since I found my like official voice voice for a big piece. So I'm really excited about it. But I think this, I think in a perfect world, I've got the Tabitha feature and I'm featured on the contributors page and... It's my final ad for Pantene. So I and my hair have been a brand ambassador for Pantene for 2021. So there were ads that ran in a bunch of magazines. And then there's, um, there's a radio clip that's been playing everywhere. I've never heard it on the radio. I don't really listen to the radio like that. But every time y'all hear it, y'all hit me up. My dad was like, every time I get in the car, I hear that radio ad. He was like, you should be paid. And I was like, I mean, they took good care of me, thanks. But yeah, so the radio ads actually extend into June of next year. But the the Pantene ads, um, they close on December 31st. So no more physical Pantene ads, just the radio ads. But in this last issue of Essence, it should be the feature and then the contributor page and then my ad. So like, I really want to get my hands on an actual physical copy of this magazine. If you've seen it in your state, get me a copy and send it to me. I'll pay for shipping. I just actually want the actual magazine. I haven't seen it yet. 
I also wrote over to Pantene and I was like, one, I was like, can you just like send me the actual ad that's running? Cause like, I've never heard it. Uh, maybe I'll play it on here so y'all can hear it if you haven't heard it too. And you know what else I asked for? I was like, can you give me like the high res version of the, the print ad that's been running everywhere? I think I'm going to blow it up. I know this sounds arrogant as fuck and I'm fine with it. It's, I'm on some Whitley Gilbert shit right now. I want to blow it up and put it up in my apartment. I want that. And I want the, um, the movie poster for Don't Waste Your Pretty. I have this really bad habit of not celebrating myself. Um, or any of like my my wins, like I'll just be like, huh, that was nice, and then move on to something else. Like to this day, I still have not seen the version of Don't Waste Your Pretty that actually aired on TV One. I didn't watch it when it was on because like my nerves were too bad, and I was like, oh, I'll watch it, and then like I just like I saw the second to last edit of it. A really good thing happened the other day when I was in New York, and I got the news when I was in the back of an Uber. And I saw it on my phone and I was like, oh, that's dope. And it was something that I had been wanting for a very, 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 very long time. It's a professional thing. And I was like, wow, that's dope. And that was it. But Angel and I, Spice Sweet Angel, we often talk about like accomplishments and business expansion celebrating self. She's very much been a mentor to me. She and Kalila from Mess in a Bottle have very much been mentors to me. It's like, you know, like I branch out and do different things. But we often talk about like celebrating your wins or acknowledging your wins. And Angel, she's not the only person I told now. I actually told him. And the way I told him was about telling him my conversation with Angel. But so I told her, I was like, hey, like I, I need to tell somebody this like just to like acknowledge that it happened. But this thing happened and like I've been wanting this thing to happen and it just happened. And so she was like, oh my God, you have to celebrate. Like, what are you going to do? And I was like, "Um, nothing. Like it hadn't even like crossed my mind to like do anything. And so she's like, no, you have to like celebrate your wins. That's the thing that's supposed to keep you motivated to like, you know, do bigger and better. Like you set this goal, you got this thing and it's finally here. Like you have to do it. And I was like, what am I supposed to do? Like, buy champagne and she was like I mean that's an option we can start there but like maybe something more than a bottle to like acknowledge like this very big thing and I was like should I buy a purse and she was like okay champagne and a purse like that sounds like you know a good a good idea and I was like okay I did buy it so I didn't buy champagne I did buy a purse it's supposed to arrive today I'm actually probably gonna send the purse back it's a beautiful purse it's an expensive purse But I just, I don't know. Like, I just kind of feel like it's just like a frivolous purchase. I have really, like, challenging um, ideas with thinking, like, I deserve nice things. Like, I really have to talk myself into it sometimes. And, like, I don't know. I don't necessarily feel like I don't deserve the purse. I just, I don't know. It's, It's down to 10 for me. And so, like, I don't see the point. I was like, I could send the purse back and, like, I don't know, go to Egypt. I could actually just keep the purse and go to Egypt. But I feel like Egypt will be a 10. The purse will just be there. Oh, this is better news. I mean, started off bad, but then got better. Sherry Shepard was supposed to be hosting the Wendy Williams show this week. Sherry has been killing it. And I'm biased. Okay, actually, I'm not biased. Because before I knew, I was like, Sherry Shepard is killing it. And then I found out. And I was like, oh, 
this actually explains a little bit more why Sherry Shepard is killing it. But I thought Sherry Shepard was killing it before I knew this. So our friend John Murray, I think I told you this before, John Murray is Sherry's producing partner for the Wendy Williams show. And she and John have been doing an amazing job. But even before I knew John was involved, I was like, oh my God, Sherry's doing an amazing job. And then John called me exhausted, headed home on the Amtrak one week, and he was like, I've never worked this hard in my life. He was like, I love it, but I ain't never worked this hard in my life. And I was like, wait, friend, friend, y'all are killing it. And he was like, really? And I was like, yes, friend, yes, yes, yes. Sherry was supposed to be back on the Wendy Williams show. She was supposed to start yesterday. Her appendix ruptured, I believe on Sunday, and she had to have emergency surgery. I was like, oh my God, Sherry. Sherry's fine. Sherry hosted the goddamn show today. Ma'am had surgery on Sunday, took Monday off to rest, and then popped up on the show today with a story about her appendix being removed suddenly. And she was like, I'm a little swollen, but I'm here and I'm good. And looked fabulous. You wouldn't have known anything happened to her. I was like, look, I'm happy Sherry was there and Sherry seemed healthy, fine, and in good spirits. And if Sherry is feeling wonderful, then I want Sherry to be where she wants to be. I also just want to say, and this came up on this recent episode of Harlem. I think it was also her appendix too, wasn't it? The, um, the lesbian character. The tall girl, real pretty with the cheekbones. What is her name? You know what I'm talking about. If you haven't watched Harlem, go watch Harlem. It's a really good show. I'm not just saying that because I've been working a campaign. I asked to see the show before I agreed to work the campaign. It's a really good show. I think she had an appendix issue, but she like passed out on the train floor. And I was like, you know how much pain you got to be in to fall out on the train floor? I'd at least have to maneuver myself to a seat. I ain't falling out on the subway for nothing. That floor is disgusting. COVID is the least of your worries. But there was a whole episode in, in Harlem about the theme of the strong black woman and how we feel like we have to like keep going, keep going, keep going. Because if we slip for just a minute, we'll lose everything. This, I think in this fictional example, and I think in this Sherry example, if, if Sherry feels good, then there's absolutely no problem with getting on the show. I just would think if I had surgery on Sunday, that maybe it would behoove me to lay myself down for a couple days. And I know Sherry wants to do the show. I know she's getting a lot of praise. I know if I know TV like I think I do, or the way it should run, is that Sherry should end up with her own, sh- with her own show. Essentially, she's like auditioning for her own situation. Isn't that what happened with Nick Cannon? Last time Wendy was sick, Nick Cannon came and filled in, and everyone was like, oh my God, Nick Cannon is fucking amazing as a host. He should have his own show. And then lo and behold... I feel like a very similar thing could happen for Sherry. And maybe Sherry feels like I have to have this spot. I have to have this spot. I have to do this. Or maybe again, she feels great. I'm speculating. But I hope it is not a case where Sherry feels like I have to push through and do this thing. Because if I don't, then they won't give me the thing. I won't have the opportunity to have the thing. Because your health is way too important to put something else in front of it. Like I just got the sniffles. And I've been in bed all day. My sniffles at 40-something are not the same as my sniffles at 20-something. But I just want Sherry to be good. And I want other women who might see what Sherry has done and be like, oh, you got to push through. You got to push through. No, you don't. No, you don't. Sit your ass down somewhere. Get some rest. Get yourself together. And come back. If you're really as good as you think you are, and you are, they'll be waiting. It'll be fine. Sherry's replacement is Michael Rappaport. 
He yells the whole time. He's okay. I don't actually like the idea of a white man hosting a black woman show. I think white men have enough spaces of their own that they don't need to like, you know, take a black woman's space. But he does all right. He's just not my fave. I prefer Sherry. But I was like, Sherry, Michael Rappaport is not a threat to you. That's the best they could do last minute, Sherry. They'll be fine. They were looking forward to you. What else is going on? I have Kanye West on here. What is the Kanye West story? We talked about last week how they did. Oh, so the end of last week's episode. I'm glad I stuck that in then. So Kanye West has been running around making these public declarations about Kim. Kanye West also has a living girlfriend who's 22, young, legal. Kanye is 44. A 22-year-old girlfriend living with him in Malibu. Kanye has been running around making these public declarations about Kim while Kim has been actively filing to be legally single. So there was a story on page six about all this kerfluffle. And according to a source, Kim thinks it's, quote, strange. That's what they quote the source as saying. She thinks it's strange that Kanye keeps saying he wants her back. But all the while, he's got a 22-year-old model at his Malibu house. Which, in fairness, I do too think it's strange too. I would feel a way as the 22-year-old model living with a man, married man, who is publicly declaring that he wants his wife to come home. Sir, if, what that mean for me? What that mean for our living situation? Like, I'm, she's living there. Like, is she also living somewhere else? I hope she kept her own spot. Because if his wife says, I'm coming home, which, where that girl gonna go? 22? Whose auntie is not on watch over there? She needs an auntie. Make sure that girl got somewhere to go when Kanye's done with her. Because if Kim, at any given time, says, yes, I'm coming home, where's sis gonna live? Where is sis going to live? Oh, dear. I guess that's why I wrote it down. The girl's name is, I think, Venetria. was a Victoria's Secret model. Real pretty girl. I'm looking at a picture of her. She has an interesting model face. Real thin. Real pretty girl. She's the face of Pat McGrath Labs. That's what page six says. But girl, you 22. I mean, at least you ain't got your man for a little money. You ain't just fucking with an old dude who's broke. Hopefully he's cutting some checks. Pay you for your youth. And to be entertained and distracted while his heart is broken, seemingly broken, while he begs for his ex-wife back. I hope an auntie is advising young man. I hope she ain't out here thinking this is a love connection. Sis, get your check and then go. I know folks gonna be like, you're not gonna say nothing about her being fucking with a married man? I mean, according to his wife, they're separated. And his wife is trying to get away. I mean, technically he is legally married. That is important to acknowledge. The shit gets weird around divorces. I ain't saying it's right. I'm just saying that's what it is. Shit gets weird around divorces. Like they're living separately. But he's also currently begging for his wife back. Like I said, let let this young girl get her check and get out. I hope she don't think this is like a forever match or something. I wonder if she was at the the Coliseum too. Because Kim was there when he was begging like specifically Kimberly come back to me. Kim was there. Was his girlfriend there? I mean, she live in Malibu. That's like 30 minutes up the road from the Coliseum. All right, we got two more stories, y'all. 
one of them not on the bingo card for 2021. Apparently, Nancy Reagan is a throat goat. <laughs> if you do not know what a throat goat is, and I mean you, Father, if you're still listening, you should probably just log off right now. You, I'm not explaining that. Um, actually, I have to explain it. So Ben Shapiro, who I had no idea who he is. I had to look it up. And I was like, who is Ben Shapiro? Ben Shapiro is a public conservative. I guess he's on like Fox News. Is that accurate? I just assume everybody who's out of their goddamn mind is on Fox News. But that may not be the case. Ben Shapiro. Let's look him up. What is his claim to fame? He's a renowned renowned conservative political pundit, syndicated columnist, lawyer, and a New York Times bestselling author. This, the story isn't even about Ben Shapiro. The story is about Ben Shapiro's sister, Abby, who's also a conservative. For some baffling and yet unknown reason to me, Abby decided to get her happy ass on Al Gore's internet and make a comparison between Nancy Reagan and Madonna. So Madonna, you know Madonna, Madonna's like, what, like 64 Madonna posted one of her Madonna-esque pictures where she has photoshopped the fuck out of her face. Her face looks like a 20-year-old. Like, she's taken out every wrinkle, every blemish. Like, it literally looks like she's taken a 20-year-old's head and photoshopped it onto her body. And mind you, like, this face of Madonna is not the face that is actual Madonna. This is just in images because she's photoshopping herself. So, I, like, I'm, I'm all for a little photoshop. Like, tweak. Tweak, you know, you want to lift the ass, take in the waist. Like, I, I totally get it. But, like, make yourself like a whole fucking different person. Like, like in real life, she looks like a, a 64-year-old woman, which is fine because she is a 64-year-old woman. But on her Instagram, she makes herself look 20. I was like, ma'am, ma'am, take it down to 50. 20? Like, you're, you're making yourself look like your own grandkid. Like, what the fuck? That's not the point. Madonna posts this picture where, you know, she's doing Madonna. She's like on bed. She's on a bed. Her legs are spread. Her ass is tooted. She got a nipple out in the image that that Abby Shapiro posted. She put a heart over the titty. I was like, I don't know if that's Madonna put a heart over her own titty. Probably not because that's Madonna. But she juxtaposes this picture of Madonna and she says, you know, this is Madonna at 64. And then she posts this picture of Nancy Reagan, who seems to be Looks like she's out for like a weekend, a weekend with the family. There's a lake in the background, a lot of greenery. Maybe they've gone to a park. Maybe they're celebrating a birthday. They're taking a family hike, but they're doing something wholesome. Nancy's in a full clothing that you would expect someone to wear on a, a cold day while they're outside at a park. Maybe a shawl, a long sweater, some children and her grandchildren. Nice family photo. So the woman, Abby Shapiro, she juxtaposes these images and she's obviously holding Nancy Reagan up as some, I don't know, model of of femininity and and what or how a woman should be behaving. Okay, I found the actual tweet. It says, actually, I'm sorry, excuse me. This is Madonna at 63. This is Nancy Reagan at 64. Trashy living versus classic living. Which version of yourself do you want to be? Al Gore's internet being the wonderful, mystical, magical place that it is sometimes because sometimes it's absolutely awful. But on that day, it decided to be its best self. They folks went and found stories about Nancy Reagan. And one of the stories was featured 
in an unauthorized biography. Remember Kitty Kelly? She's written several unauthorized biographies, one of them, which was the one on Oprah. That's how I was introduced to Kitty Kelly's work. And I don't remember many of the details from that Oprah one because I did read it. And I want to say it was like 500 pages and I read it in like a day. I remember it was compelling and I could not put it down. And it was one page turning. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. After the next. And Kitty does stand by all of her work. So Kitty Kelly had written this autobiography on Nancy Reagan. And one of the stories that had come out when she was researching on Nancy Reagan was her um, was that she was a throat goat. It says that when Nancy, before she met Ronnie, she was an actress and she was hanging out on the back Hollywood lots at MGM. It says Nancy, the book alleged, was, quote, renowned in Hollywood for performing oral sex. Furthermore, she was reportedly known to perform said oral sex, quote, not only in the evening, but in offices. That was one of the reasons that she was very popular on the MGM lot. Oh, oh. So the internet being what the internet does just made a goddamn scene. A whole goddamn scene. Talking about trickle down, was it trickle down throatonomics? Mams and sirs. Mams and sirs. But the, but the title that stuck, I'm reading this from an article on Distractify. And the, the, the headline is, Ben Shapiro's sister praised Nancy Reagan for being a classy woman. But apparently she was, quote, Hollywood's blowjob queen. The story begins, if you had to give former first lady Nancy Reagan a nickname, what would you have called her? Does throat goat come to mind? And the article goes on to describe most users of Twitter, including myself. This is what the article says. We're not aware of all the things Nancy used to put in her mouth during business hours. Now, I almost feel bad talking about this story because Nancy Reagan is dead. She did die some years ago. And Nancy Reagan is being dragged. I mean, dragged on the Internet. And Nancy didn't ask for this. Nancy's dead. Ben Shapiro's sister hopped out and threw Nancy Reagan out as an example. And so now dead Nancy is being dragged for her fellatio skills. And I say skills, although we're not clear. Somebody pointed out Hollywood seems to be in agreement that, that she did perform a lot of oral sex. But did anyone say whether it was good or not? Fair question. I was like, would you really be talking about it if it wasn't? Nancy's not here to tell us. She did. But I also feel like a little bad because I was like, Nancy didn't ask for this shit. Like, if you do some dumb shit and then you get dragged for the dumb shit you do, fair game. But Nancy's name just got thrown out there. And then people are attacking Nancy only because this woman chose to juxtapose Nancy with Madonna. I was like, there's room for both. Megan Thee Stallion twerks, also gets degrees. Ratchet and respectable. You could be both, not or, and. Oh, Nancy. They are posting pictures of Nancy Reagan alongside Superhead. Like, it, there's so much going on on Al Gore's internet. So much. Never a dull moment. Last but not least, we got to talk about Peloton. 
Peloton is not running ads on this episode of Ratchet and Respectable, but Peloton has been running ads on Ratchet and Respectable all year. So thank you, Peloton, for your support. Peloton actually did a really good thing over the weekend after being slandered, slandered last week. We talked about this. We did like a whole segment on um, the new sex in the city and, and just like that, which I'm not calling it that, the new sex in the city. But the new sex in the city came out last Thursday. And in the first episode, they killed a main character and they killed him after he got off the Peloton. Critically thinking people would say, you know, he's a man of a certain age. Earlier in the episode, he was like smoking a cigar. He's known to enjoy his red meat and his alcohol. And faithful viewers of the show know that he's had heart problems before. So it's not far-fetched that he would have a heart attack and it may not be actually tied to exercise in general or the Peloton ride specifically. But anyway, he gets off this Peloton and then the mofo dies. Carrie lets him die. We'll get to that in a second, right? Peloton stock, and they'd already been having problems because people stopped working from home and they started going to gyms again. We started this episode talking about how like I, and I have a whole like little mini setup here that I can work out at home, but we started talking about how I went and got a gym membership, right? Because I'm ready to go back to the gym again. Peloton stock tanked on Friday. Peloton released a statement saying they knew that their product had been purchased and was going to be used in the show, but they didn't know how. And in no point did they think that it would be part of, you know, the death. I don't know if we should call Mr. Big a beloved character, but a significant character on the show. And they certainly didn't know that this would happen and, and their stock would tank because of it. Remember people like started throwing out their crock pots after the house burnt down on This Is Us? Like, and, and, it killed, and it killed Father Jack? This whole thing happens on Thursday. That's when the um that's when the show gets released Thursday at midnight on EST. Thursday and Friday the stock is tanking. So at some point between I don't know when the Peloton marketing team got to work on Thursday morning. I'm going to assume that they worked through the night. They were able to get Mr. Big, Chris Noth, and the woman who played his Peloton instructor on the new Sex in the City. They were able to get them on board to shoot a commercial, shoot said commercial, and then release it on Sunday morning. I was like, the logistics of getting this done very quickly are very impressive to me. I really want to know what the check was because I was like, there was a lot of like wheeling and dealing behind the scenes to get this commercial done. I had to follow the head of marketing for Peloton. She's a black girl. She put up a few details about how it all got pulled together. And she flatly said, you know, she was like, the team pulled this together in 48 hours. You know, so proud of them. Which I was like, girl, Dara Tresseter, T-R-E-S-E-D-E-R. She's the SVP, Senior Vice President, Head of Global Marketing and Communications for Peloton. She put up a post about it, a behind the scene picture of the whole team working together, plus Big and the, um, the Peloton instructor from the show. And her caption is, cardiovascular exercise is good for you and helps millions of real people lead long, happy and healthy lives. She thanks the behind the scenes people for pulling this all together. And she says at the end, yes, this all happened in 48 hours. So the Peloton people, they didn't get no sleep this weekend. They worked trying to save their damn stock, which I think they did. It was a good commercial. It's Mr. Big and the Peloton instructor sitting on the couch 
and she says, you know, you look great. And he says, I feel great. And then he asked if, um, if they should take another ride and, and she agrees to do so. And the camera pans out and there's two Pelotons behind them. And then there's a voiceover that comes on, which is Ryan Reynolds. His team produced the, um, produced the advertisement and Ryan Reynolds in a voiceover runs through the benefits of you basically using a, basically riding a Peloton. And then at the end it says he's alive. Like, get some self-control, people. Like, this is a fictional character, and he's fucking alive. I think Peloton saved themselves. I haven't seen, um, I don't know what their stock did today. Let's check and see. Nope, still down. (laughs) Damn it. But there are a bunch of stories about how Peloton is fighting back. How they're not going the way of the crockpot. And they've got stories on CNN, Fox News, Bloomberg... Wall Street Journal, CNBC, New York Times, about how Peloton resurrects Mr. Big and tried to resurrect their stock. So I wish Peloton the best. I hope it all works out for them. We also, as consumers, could be a little bit smarter. I feel bad for them, though. They're like, you fucking up our fourth quarter sales with your fictional shit. Your fictional bullshit. Killing off that man. Folks are 38 hot about Sex in the City killing off Big. Which I totally get, I get, I get. But just as like a, like a, I don't know, a writer, a, a story creator, it's genius. Like it's a reboot to the story. Like you thought it was going to go one way, now it's going another way. But which way? And the fact that everyone and their mother is talking about it, genius marketing for HBO. And clearly there's a crazy investment because you kill off a character and then in the real world, the stock tanks, like people are into this new series. It's a hit. Out the gate, it's a hit. Folks might be pissed at what they did, but people are watching. HBO got eyeballs. That's all they care about. It's a hit as far as they're concerned. And so many articles about Big's death. Like, so many articles. Vulture went and actually spoke to a doctor, a cardiovascular doctor. They put it in a whole real-world setup and was like, okay, so Carrie is in Midtown Manhattan, and she lives with Big at this address. Like, it could be no more than, I don't know, 30 minutes between her leaving the recital and getting back to her house. Could she have saved Big? And like they gave the whole scenario. Like she walks into the, the bathroom. She stares at him. He's still alive. If she had dialed 911 and done like basic CPR, could he have been saved? And the surgeon was like, um, wait, she didn't call 911? She didn't even try like any form of CPR? He was like, yeah, like, you know, essentially she let him die. And I was like, oh. Which I think everybody knew because everybody was like, why didn't she call 911? Why didn't she call 911? Let me see if I find this article on Vulture. It was so funny in like a fucked up way. So the writer is asking the doctor. The writer said even after he went unconscious and died in her arms, how long would she have had to call EMS and still revive him? And so the doctor says, quote, and I'm reading this in case, like, God forbid you're ever in this situation. The doctor says, quote, what she needed to do was when he went unconscious and lost a pulse, she needed to immediately start CPR. Feel for a pulse, call for help and start chest compressions because you can absolutely stimulate blood flow to the brain and the rest of the vital organs with CPR. And once EMS came, they could have resuscitated him immediately with medications and defibrillation. So did she just sit there? That's what the doctor asked. And so the vulture writer says she held him and screamed. The doctor says she needed to do CPR. This is a PSA. 
If you see someone lose consciousness, the first thing you do is feel for a pulse. If there's no pulse, you call EMS and start chest compressions without delay. You can definitely save people's lives that way. He didn't need to die. This is a goddamn travesty. That's the doctor. <sighs> I can't wait for this next episode to come out. It's like I'm, I'm like itching for it. I am invested. I'm fully invested. I'm in my element. Like this show was very inspiring to me career-wise. Um, never really wanted to be Carrie Bradshaw. I was more interested in being Nola Darling. The Washington Post did this really good piece on me like a decade ago now and called me the black Carrie Bradshaw and it's just kind of stuck all these years. Personally, I wanted to be Nola Darling. Professionally, I wanted to be Carrie Bradshaw or better, Candace Bushnell, who, you know, wrote a little book that spanned six series of television plus two movies, a prequel show, and now a new show. Candace Bushnell is who I really want to be. I thought it was Terry McMillan because Terry McMillan had a book that got turned into a movie and I was like, and Terry McMillan writes her ass off that too. So I guess it's a combination of both, but Candace Bushnell is professionally what I want. And Carrie, like the, the relationship writing thing, obviously, Carrie, the title of Bell in Brooklyn is a combination of two episode titles from Sex and the City. So I am in my element. I live for this show and I'm glad it's back. That's that. I was supposed to run this interview this week. I'm going to save it for you though, because this episode is already running really long. We'll save it so it's not like a throw on at the end. We'll save it and give it the proper respect that it needs. Does that work? Good. I actually feel so much better. I'm so glad I had a chance to speak with you guys. Like my head feels clearer. My nose is still a little drippy. I'll take more Theraflu or stronger drugs. I got to be right for tomorrow. But actually, after talking to you all, I feel much better. So I'm glad I pulled myself together and did. Last but not least, you know what I'm about to say. If you have not picked up your merch for Ratchet and Respectable, please do. This is a first world problem. You know, everything on the site is not sold out, right? Like there are lines of stuff that are sold out, but there's also stuff that still exists on the site. Um, Especially all the white and gold merch. There's all of that. I think there's blue there's blue cut the check in every size there's purple interested men act interested in every size so if you want merchandise like there are sizes that still exist on the site people be like well what are you gonna do a re-up because i want well since it's on the site now just go look at the site and see if what you want is actually there before you ask me about when the re-up is you can have your stuff now you don't have to wait for the re-up and i told y'all i like called for the re-up and they were like yeah so basically everything that you want doesn't exist right now you waiting on the re-up you're gonna be waiting I would suggest you go to the site now and get what you want. And before I get on a plane and go to Ghana. Just a thought. Something to take into consideration. Do with that as you will. All right. I'm about to edit this, chop this up, and get it up. So at least you have it on Wednesday. Because today clearly ain't going to happen. All right. That's that. Talk again on Friday. I think we have a special guest on Friday too. We're trying to lock that in. I'll let you know.